Welcome to the Short Story Book Club at the Centre for Stories. Um, this week we're talking about The Love of a Bad Man by Laura Elizabeth Woollett, which are short stories um, all about uh, women who have been involved with notorious or maybe not so notorious, as we will find out, serial killers. Um, so I'm joined today by Leonard and Veronica, and Hello. we're in the beautiful library at the Centre for Stories. Um, first of all, did you guys manage to, to read some or all of the book? Yeah, I burned through it. I yeah. got through all of it very quickly. Yeah. The, the dark characters sort of spoke to me. <laughs> not, in, not in that way. Not in that way. And he's, he's owning that. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Veronica? I got as far as Marceline. I um, did not get to read Marceline onwards. Which, okay. So, so roughly half. Half the book, um, I, I blame that on having a four-year-old. Um, <laughs> it's a good excuse. <laughs> so you haven't read Kathy then? Oh, no, unfortunately okay. I haven't. No, that's all right. That's the only one of the, the stories that I've picked out to discuss specifically right. that you won't have read. I see, I see. Um, okay. But that's okay. okay. So we should be able to, to push on regardless. Okay. So um, first of all, in, in the last month or so, um, The Love of a Bad Man has been shortlisted for an Ed Kelly Award for a debut mm. book. Um, which is unusual because, first of all, it's a short story collection and that's an award that's usually for crime novels or true crime novels. Um, and second, because um, I wouldn't necessarily say that this is a crime book at all. Mm. So that leads me to wonder, would you guys say that this fits into the crime genre? Yeah, well, really, you could go all sorts of ways, couldn't you? Mm. You could say it's romance because of the fact that we are talking about the love of a bad man. Yeah, and you they're all talking... romantically involved mm. with, with the, the yeah. famous serial killers. You're right there. I didn't think of that. Yeah, so what something about you? like that. Um, I actually was surprised because I do recall seeing it, I think it might have been on Twitter, mm. that her book was nominated. Mm. Um, I was pleasantly surprised because I thought, wow, short story, um, the genre is getting... A bit more of a yeah um, recognition, if, if if you like, or a revival, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, so it was it was quite nice to see that. And then I thought, but is it is it a crime mm. um, uh, fiction, uh, if if you like? But um, I guess I guess because it is about the love of the bird man, <laughs> um, and her research um, is very much based on true crimes that have happened. Yeah. Mm. Um, then I thought, well, oh, I'm glad that they have taken a very good look at and mm. nominated this book so um i think um i think they're uh written in the i suppose tune if you like of crime mm. um and um even though it does go behind the scenes of the crimes if not actually discussing yeah. the crimes themselves yeah because some of them yeah. go right up to the moment where a crime's about to be committed or right up to yes. the moment where they're about to be caught but it doesn't follow the full crime itself yes, that's not the arc that right. it's following you're kind of getting yeah. into the heads of mm. those that are um yeah, that are there at the time or doing it at the time mm. and yes yeah, so so it's an interesting perspective to um or another way i suppose to look mm. at crime mm. so i guess that's kind of interesting in that regard, which yeah. is why I found the book so, in, actually, yeah. that's what kind of drew me to, oh. Well, there's nothing else quite like it yes. out there, particularly um, by such a young Australian writer. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, she's only a couple of years older than I am, I think. Um, and is originally from Perth, so we can we can oh, claim yeah. more oh, yeah. Yeah. Will it. She's ours. Yep. Yeah, just like the Australians wow. do with the with the New Zealanders. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, the short story collections, that's kind of a genre in itself. If you're going to mm. divide your bookshop up into here are the crime novels, here are the history novels, you would normally put all your short story collections together. Mm. Um, but I don't know, is that something that, that's just me? Or do you guys think of short stories as fitting into other genres? Yeah, see, I've generally found that was um, like speculative fiction and um, the the genre fiction, quote-unquote, short stories generally do get put in with their genre. Mm -hmm. But then when you have something that's a little bit more literary, it tends to go short stories. Yeah. Um, so in the case of something like this, I'm not even sure where I would have found it in a bookshop if yeah. I hadn't have wandered yeah. into Boffins and asked. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, very much the thing of... Yeah, do you just put them all together? And yeah. that is very handy, but at the same time, are you 
are you really looking at it in the whole as a as a whole thing if you're ignoring its genre yeah okay because i suppose the short story form is is considered quite literary you you Mm. raise a really valid point there where you say it's either spec fic or literary fiction yeah and again literary (laughs) fiction is one of those genres that it's more of a stylistic thing and you can have literary crime and literary romance and you know they they have elements of other forms whereas yeah exactly whereas (laughs) um genres like crime is is more of a you sort of have a formula of what sort of plot lines you might expect Mm. um so it'll be interesting to see with this resurgence mm. of, of short story collections being published mm. that we're, we're seeing in Australia, mm. are they going to continue to be mostly literary or are we going to have some real standouts like this one start to come out yes. in different areas of the library or the bookshop? Mm. Um, Let's hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. Yes, I hope so too, actually. Mm. So the thematic premise of the book is all about women who were involved with bad men of history as we'd said, and mm. and these women, there's a tendency in the media when a crime is committed and there's a wife or a girlfriend involved mm. or the, a female victim, they tend to be referred to as so-and-so's wife, so-and-so's girlfriend, but mm. each of these stories is named after the woman and told in her voice and usually, with a few exceptions, in first person, mm. um, which sort of gives them a bit of agency back. Um, but I'm wondering, had either of you heard of any of the cases you read about before or did you have to flick through to the back of the book to the biographies to sort of acquaint yourself with what was going on? Yeah, I, I used the the biography pretty extensively. Yeah. I knew Eva Brown, I knew... Um, or, or I knew of Manson, but mm. that was about it. Yeah. There's a, a bit of an altercation going on outside, but we're, we're locked in, so we'll just ignore them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so Eva Braun, I mean, that one for mm. me, um, we'll get to that one in, in a little while, but I, I knew of her, but I didn't know her well, mm. as it yeah. turned out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And some of these cases, I knew the cases, but when I, when I was reading oh, The Point of View, I wasn't immediately yeah. sure who I was reading about. Yeah. I would have found it quite useful to have the biography maybe at the end of the story so I wasn't flicking oh, to the back yes, of the book every time, yes. but again, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's an editorial mm-hmm. choice. It didn't really bug me too much. Yeah. Um, who else do we have in there? Obviously, the Burnies were in there. So yeah, the Burnies were in there. Well, they're first up. No, no. Who's first up? The Burnies are... It's um, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, that's um, right. It that was... Um, was but what's his name? It's... Blanche, which is the sister-in-law of Bonnie and Clyde. Um, The Barrows, that's right. Yeah, and also I think Marceline is about the Jim Jones church, which I didn't realise that they were actually not in America. They'd gone to a completely different country, and I think it was in South America. Yeah. Their own own little nation Um, going on there. Was South America or it was... I can't remember where it was, but it it wasn't in America. They'd, They'd gone overseas. They had, yeah. But I wasn't familiar with a lot of these cases, um, and some of them were quite horrifying. The other one I'd heard of was the Hillside Strangler, but I didn't know their names. Yes, yes. Um, I've only read up to Jan, including -hmm. including the story Jan, but um, I did find out that the appendix was at that back, because I was was just... So um, enthralled with the fact that okay, so I'm just going to get through reading these, and yeah. I'll follow the names. I love the way how it's how the contents page is set out under names actually of women. Yeah. I, I really, I thought that was some um, um, something that's quite interesting and clever. And um, it was handy to have the appendix to, to flick through mm. because I just didn't realise um, obviously how much uh, research would have been in the background there. Mm. Um, that she's obviously used, but then has then fictionalised these, um, if not all the scenarios, the mm. conversations they've had amongst them. Yeah. Now, because um, it almost brings it to life, the facts yeah. that you're... So it's not just hard facts, this is what happened. Yeah. Um, so having the appendix actually was very helpful to, to refer to. Yeah. Um, but I, I do agree with you in that maybe if there was something at the end of each mm. <laughs> um, story, it then would have just, I think, um, solidified it in your 
Well, it lends itself more to sitting down and reading it cover to cover, which, yeah. which is not necessarily how you read a short story collection, but oh, yes. um, with a collection like this, I just found myself going, you know, this, this, this lady can write, I want to read yes. more. Yes. Um, but having the appendix set out the way that it was did make me realise that the stories are presented in here in um, chronological order, mm-hmm. uh, historically. So, um, yeah, which is rather interesting. Although the, the Bonnie and Clyde story didn't feel as historical to me as the Eva Braun one did, and, and I will mm. come back to that in a moment. But I'll move on for a moment. Yep. Um, did any of the stories give you a new perspective on the case or a case that you were familiar with? Not for me with Eva, mm-hmm. because unfortunately for me, Eva was one of the few that I did recognise, mm. and Eva, I think I actually found a lot of the other stories more compelling than Eva. Mm-hmm. Um, not that Eva wasn't a, a good story, it was well written, but it was, yeah, perhaps even that foreknowledge actually ruined Eva for me. Okay. Um, being able to actually be introduced to these people just as a person that I don't know mm. actually I think helped me then go, ah, oh, of course, you're you're a real person and also you have this background that I now know about. So mm. yeah. So it was quite it was a lot better for me with the, the characters to meet them as characters first. Mm. Okay. Um, Eva um, I think stood out for me because I recognised <laughs> um, that 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 um, that part of um, history, um, but I was kind of disappointed, uh, I think, in reading how she was portrayed because mm. I thought, oh, oh, well, why should I be disappointed? Um, Hitler was a very bad man, um, <laughs> but um, but how she pretty much, um, well, for, for starters, I didn't realise how young yeah, she that, really that was. Yeah, that was the thing for me so too. That really, mm. for some reason, that really. <laughs> the only thing I knew about her was she was a filmmaker, or was that... No, that was Lenny Reifenstahl. Yeah, I think so. But I, I just yeah. always thought of Eva Braun as being yeah. grown up, but she yeah. supposedly yeah. met Hitler while she was still a schoolgirl, mm. which yes. meant that I got her confused with his niece, Kelly. Uh, yeah. Well, um, mm. Yeah, you know, two sort of very sad stories of, of yeah. women who were some for some reason obsessed with Adolf Hitler. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, he he always had that charisma, and you well, always have people talking about his charisma. Yeah, it's only with was... hindsight that we go, <laughs> how does that happen? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Well, I still remember that story, and I've never really forgotten it of um, just this short little thing of how any soldiers or generals who were having any doubts with the war effort or mm. that they were doing yeah. the, the right thing, quote-unquote, um, you would have, they'd go into Hitler's tent, you would hear the conversation, because of course mm. it was quite loud, and <laughs> they would emerge with one of two things happening. Either they were utterly convinced they were wrong, mm-hmm. or they were terrified. Mm. And one of those two things. Same effect. They would do as they were told. Same effect. Exactly. They would do as they were told regardless. It was either because of the fact that he was an utterly terrifying man or because of the fact that he brought them around very, very quickly. Mm. And, yeah. And I think that's something that all these bad men have in common. They're they're very charismatic and persuasive or terrifying Mm. and therefore can get what they want done. Yeah. Even the quiet ones. Yeah. Quiet ones well, some of the women in this book are not just observers of mm. what's going on. They're participants. No. That's, that's right. Well, Martha, for me, was a very big standout as far as that's concerned, where she, in a lot of ways, to me, was um, as monstrous as yeah. the bad man that she was. Well, he um, was kind of pathetic women. in ways. He was. He was the yeah. one that didn't want to be seen without his wig on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she was quite a strong woman. Yeah. In a horrifying way at times. Very horrifying. And when when it got down to it, he he was good at tricking people, but there wasn't actually all that much impressive about him when you pulled away the shroud. Yeah. So why is it that readers find stories about murder and crime so interesting? What do you think? I think it's getting into the minds Mm -hmm. of um, not so much that um, 
people are reveling in the crime itself because it's horrifying. It's, you know, you mm. wouldn't wish it upon anyone. Uh, you feel for victims when you just have to turn on the television now and, and, and the, the, there's always something that's, that's happening around the world and you think, how? How could they? Mm. They're in, inhumane. They're just, there's no humanness about them. But um, I, I'm thinking maybe it's because, oh, maybe this will give us an insight into their psyche. Like, how, how mm. do they tick? What makes them tick? And, yeah. um, and you read that they do normal things, like other no- normal people mm. and then you could start to remember what is normal what is normal so okay so they um, maybe sat in Ada Bergen and go well we, can, we all do that so yeah. you don't realise that these people do normal things they could be sitting at another table mm. in the same restaurant as you um, but to, to, to sort of read as to how they think mm. and what they're thinking of and then the fact that they were talking about, um, I'm trying to remember who it was, if it was Myra or, or if it was Carol. Um, Myra Hindley is the one that um, is part of the Ian Brady story, oh, I think, with the Moors murders. Yes. So that, that was Myra. Mm-hmm. Um, how they're talking about how they can commit the, the perfect murder and how yeah. they were really just is having she, a chat. Is but... she the one that's quite <laughs> vain as well? One of the knows. one of the the women is quite vain and is worried about how her hair looks and you know in in amidst all these murders that are going on she's w- worried about I think there's a motorcycle in it as well you can tell it's oh, been a couple of weeks yes. since I've read it yes no same same yeah. I, have to, I have to admit um I I'm trying to remember now but yes I do recall oh well she had when she got onto the bike yeah I I'm and correct me. <laughs> recall <laughs> um, I'm trying to find she it she not have her hair up in in curlers yes. that, yeah and that's I what thought, I'm thinking of <laughs> you're riding a bike and you've got the curler <laughs> yeah. how do you put the helmet on yeah, <laughs> and then, yeah. then I'm well. thinking wait a minute does that speak does that mean I'm vain because I'm yeah. this <laughs> exactly. you got on a bike and you had curlers in your hair yeah. um, I think more than anything it, it, it gave an indication of the time period yeah. that this is how yeah. how women sort of did it and she mm. by this stage well, she was ready for bed or something and then he turned yes, up that's yeah. right. mm. and she kind of upped her nose because she, she knew that people were looking out their mm. windows and, and um, almost a kind of a rebellious streak yeah. to kind of do what no one really does yeah. yeah, well, particularly when you're talking about those two because, yeah, you know, they're talking about how, well, they've got it here. It's all shite. Religion, God, good, evil, superstitious shite. <laughs> so the thing is, is that, you know, yeah. they, they had that thing of, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm much more intelligent than the herd. I can, yeah. you know, I can see through these lies. Yes. Um, and that was very dangerous. Mm. And that's the thing. The forbidden noises. Not all of these women um, have really low self-esteem either. Mm. There's a few yeah. characters that do, but mm. some of them are very confident. Um, I think the, the character Veronica, the one that's writing to one of the hillside stranglers, she thinks yeah. she's the best thing walking. Oh, oh she is. She's, she's is. trying to write a play and, yeah. you know, get, gets quite... Um, brazen with the the sexual advances that she's writing to this guy and we don't know if he ever writes back or not I think Mm. towards the end she's saying thank you for your letter but we don't see what he's saying he could just be saying please leave me alone yeah that's right please just stop 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 enough stop wasting paper (laughs) but you know she's quite um, she's quite out there you don't get a hint at all that she's got low self-esteem she's got very high mm. self-esteem mm. maybe it's misplaced but yeah probably misplaced but but you have that with mm. um with martha as well where it's very much a facade it's yeah she's profoundly insecure about her weight she but is. she mm. she handles that by being a very brazen person mm. a very outwardly confident person yes. yeah full of issues though Yes. issues. It was it was quite sad in one regard where she where she writes that she along the lines of that she enjoyed the sex and it must have been because of her background when her well, mm. because of the incest that she had endured mm. as a mm. as a young woman and and then and you, you you sort of start to feel sort of almost sorry, I suppose, that she she's got these issues yeah. got issues, you know, this is why she's obviously gone. And then down the line where she easily Leaves her children. Just leaves them behind, yes. Yeah, just thinking of that. And I just, 
Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's not me laughing. That's me um, crying myself. Because I'm <laughs> a four-year-old and I can't imagine leaving my, yeah. my young But she does it who, easily. And she does it without... Without even blinking, without even... So childhood's not sacred to no. her because of what happened to her in her childhood. That's, that's mm. right, and yeah. she shakes it off like it's... Yeah. 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 Um, I think it's something that this collection does incredibly well, is that each voice, as you go from story to story, is completely different, yeah, even down to some of the characters having a kind of accent that comes off the page. They all mm-hmm. speak in different vernaculars. You get a sense of where they're from in the choice of words. Um and I'm just wondering, did did either of you find that that worked? Did any of the voices stand out in particular? Or do you think it detracted? Or what were your thoughts on, on her stylistic choices when it came to her character's voices? Yeah, I thought it really did work very well. Even, <laughs> even just in terms of, for example, in Marceline, mm. how you have everyone referred to as father, brother, mother, sister... Yes, um, and that, that takes that. you into that Jim Jones cult. It yeah. does, yeah. So their identity is, her identity is Mother Marceline. Mm. It's not Marceline, it's Mother Marceline. Yeah, and you get a sense from the way that she talks that she's quite senior in the hierarchy and people look up to her and um, mm. she's got this sort of um, commanding presence that's not forceful mm. but it's just sort of a quiet commanding presence. Mm. Um, Without her having to tell you that she's a leader, you get that from her words. Exactly, that's right. She speaks like a leader. Mm. Um, and similarly, I know I'm picking both the religious mm. sort of characters, but Wanda as well I found rather distinctive. I found Wanda quite forgettable, but I wonder okay. if that's just because by the end of it my mind was so saturated with all of these psychopaths that <laughs> I couldn't take the last one in. Um, Possibly. Yeah. The, then again, I had gotten past Veronica and Veronica's... Yeah, else. I know. No, if, if she wasn't doing it in chronological order, I would have said end with Veronica. Yeah, because it's so Veronica memorable. Is very, and very honestly, strong. I feel like when you're structuring a short story collection, you want to have a really, really strong opener and a really, really strong closer. Because mm. if someone's picking up your book and having a browse, those are the two stories they're likely to read if they're deciding oh, yes. whether or not to take your book home. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and it's the lasting impression that you leave, the last one as well. It is, yeah. Um, I have had people say to me, because we did this for my personal book club as well, I, I yeah. enforced it on, on them, and some of them, <laughs> some of them were very disturbed, so I apologise <laughs> if any of them are listening. Um, they we're, found we're forcing the, you to, to relive this again, perhaps. I know. Well, they probably won't be listening for that reason. <laughs> but they found in the story Blanche the repetition of baby and daddy really yeah. irritating. Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. baby, daddy, I tell you what. <laughs> Though then again, I f- as soon as I saw that, that very first page of baby and daddy, I'm mm. just like, this is going to go somewhere where I'm not <laughs> going to be comfortable, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, immediately when you've got a couple who are romantically involved calling each other infantilizing names, <laughs> you're going, okay, this relationship isn't necessarily a healthy one. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm um, thinking it's not very equal. No, exactly. exactly. The first I was a bit confused. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I don't think she means that literally. I hope she doesn't mean no. that literally. No. Um, no. Makes her then, seem like a little girl. Yes. Yes, yeah. it, it does actually, that mm. she's very, well, it's very dependent. Well, she is very dependent mm. on him. Mm. Um, yeah, physically she is quite small, isn't she? She's re- remarked upon as being a very she's small petite, person. She's yeah. yeah. Yeah, particularly next to him because yeah. he's this big, brawn guy. And I'd never heard of him before either. I'd heard of I Bonnie and Clyde. Yes, yeah. um, my year four teacher used to get us to sing the Bonnie and Clyde song as part of our morning warm-up. We had several oh. songs, so that was how I... I knew of that one. Thanks, Mrs. Barrett. <laughs> a crime song. Yeah, and it, well, and it just, didn't she just had all sorts of like old show oh. tunes that we would sing to get oh, us focused okay. in the morning, and one of them was a Bonnie and Clyde ballad. Mm. So, <laughs> and interesting that you should read this short story collection. I know, and that's where my brain went next yeah. year. <laughs> yes, and it revived a memory yeah. from your But I had never realised that it wasn't just the two of them committing these yes. crimes. Yes, yeah, and here. the two of them are almost sort of mythologised, um, mm. kind of like our Ned Kelly in that, you know, they're criminals. They kill yes. people, they stole a lot of money, yeah. um, and they didn't go out in a blaze of glory, they just finally got caught. Yes. Um, yes. And that this story kind of puts that on its head 
and by choosing by choosing Blanche as the the point of view character, mm. she sort of says, well, you know. Everyone thinks that they're these great criminals. They're not actually that great. Yeah, they're um, actually a bit unpleasant. They're right? a bit unpleasant, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, she's ailments. pretty unpleasant herself. Oh, yeah. I have no idea about the ailments, the injury yeah. Um, yeah. That, that what they've sustained. Mm. Um, it makes sense, I guess. It does make sense, yes. <laughs> you know, that kind of lifestyle. Um, yeah, people <laughs> shoot at you on a day-to-day basis. You're going to get shot. Eventually. Yes. yes. Um, but it, for me, was... Mm. Can I say the word educational yeah. <laughs> in that regard. Yeah. Reading is educational, just, that's why yeah. we do it, I, I, I among other reasons. Just, no, no, that's right. I, yeah. I don't intend to, yeah. <laughs> to suddenly get a partner in crime. Yeah. But, um, but, but yeah, but he, I didn't realise it wasn't just the two of them either. I no. thought, oh, okay, this opens up a whole new world of... <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so that was, I, I found interesting. I did find, like you started off with, that the daddy part was... Mm. Yeah. Although then I thought, okay, this is probably the time period where yeah. it was because I could almost imagine her being quite, yeah, um, quite prissy, yeah, quite prissy, and yeah. you know, being a little missy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Blanche yeah. was because it, it really. She's got does one of those seem... names. She does. Yeah. She's Blanche. Blanche. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it makes you think of streetcar named Desire. It yes, does. it does. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, this is a real person, and and. Blanche and Streetcar was not, but... Correct. Yeah, it, it, would it be around about the same time period? I think it would. Yeah. So the name might have gone through a bit of a, a popularity phase. Yeah. But we're going off on a tangent again. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't know about the history of the name. Yeah. Um, so mm. did any of the other voices stand out? I think Blanche and Veronica were the two that stood out to me. Yeah, Martha, I think definitely for me, stood out. Yeah. I found her a thoroughly despicable woman. Mm. Um, the other one I really liked, I'm just trying to remember because I remember the the guy's name, but mm. not her. Well, who was the guy? Cam. Oh, was that the one, the girl with the glasses that he ties her up in the tree? Yeah. That was... Oh, yes. Yeah, that I think it's Jan. Jan. Jan, Jan wow. I found quite difficult in a lot of ways. Yeah. In, a, yes. in a good way. In that, yeah, Jan, I could really feel that awkwardness. Well, she was yes. both victim and narrator. Yeah, exactly. Some of these yes. girls were, you know, indoctrinated well and truly, but they weren't necessarily being mm. brutalised by the people that they were close to. Mm. Yes. Uh, I... Do you find it very uncomfortable to read yeah. to read about Jan? Mm. Um, I think because of her innocence and her vulnerability, mm. where um, she's opened up to us and she meets yeah. this boy and she's telling mum he really likes me. She has a really nasty mum. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, that was a bit. Sad too. Yeah. I, I guess that what that then goes to show at that period of time as well, where, where the story is set is, um, or I should say when the story is set mm. in that time period, was that whole um, perspective on mental health. And, yeah. um, and So um, she was 15 years old in the yes. 1970s, early 1980s. Mm. Um, he received a sentence of 104 years and is eligible for parole in 2023. Wow. So some of these people are still alive too. Yes. Most of them are still alive. Um, Catherine Harrison, who is Catherine Burney, is still alive and still in prison in Western Australia. Right. Mm. Yes. Um, but uh, her partner, David Burney, is dead. I think he killed himself he in yes. prison. He committed suicide, yes. Um, um, yeah. Which is quite chilling. I mean, uh, I certainly found that I had to compartmentalise and not read that story knowing that it happened here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think it was almost a blessing that the setting wasn't immediately recognisable. Yeah. Sometimes you it read stories about Kurt. Exactly. And yeah, you could go, anywhere. yeah, that's in this suburb. Or you could go, it's in a generic place. And I had to yeah. think of it as being in a generic Australian suburb. So yep. that I could get through the story. Yeah. Um, I think if I'd lived through that period, it would have been harder. But yeah. I wasn't alive or old enough um, to remember the Bernie murders being reported in the news. Where, where were they working? No, it was the 80s. So I, I, the 80s. I was not around um, in 1986, but my parents would have been. So 
It might have been a different experience for, for my parents reading that story. Mm. Giving away my age. Um, <laughs> not, that, not that it matters, but um, it's in just the 80s, a number. I was, yeah, it's fine. 1985, where was I? Um, <laughs> in the 80s, I was in primary school. Mm. So I do remember seeing footage of yep. when they were. They pretty much stepped out of the paddy wagon and were taken into the back of the courtroom. Yeah. But for all I know, that could have been as I got older. Yeah. And they had, well, they always have footage, don't they? Yeah. Mm. Older footage. They... So it hasn't really imprinted on your, your memories of that no, time. No, it hasn't. No. Um, it's kind of like the way that... Um, when people read The Sharknet by Robert Drew, oh. they talk about that period in the 60s when Eric Edgar Cook was on his sort of killing spree, as they mm. call it. He was a spree killer rather than a serial killer, the mm. difference being that he killed in different ways. Uh, if, to be a serial killer, you have to have the same method. Yeah. Um, you know, people talk about that time period. It's been That's the turning point um, mm. when people started locking their back doors that's overnight right. and keep yeah. sleeping with their windows closed and things like that and it it's a very strong sensory mm. memory of that time for a lot of people yeah that um, you couldn't just walk connected into to that exactly house. well a lot yeah. of people um before that time slept in sleepouts on the what's essentially the front yeah, veranda front of the house because yeah. you don't have that many rooms yeah. in your house so you put your oldest son in the yeah. sleep out yeah. um but you don't see that anymore mm. and yeah i mean we don't have thankfully that many infamous serial killers in Perth but yes. the ones that we do have they have a very strong imprint on the psyche of of yes. sort of our collective memory of the time that they were they yes, were around right. in and and what a way to change our um um I suppose social behavior because mm. if we're not locking doors and then suddenly here comes someone who changes everything in the way we mm. do things mm. That would, yeah, definitely imprint itself and mm. change how we live. I think yeah. that goes back to what we were talking about before when we were talking mm. about why people find murder so fascinating. Mm. Um, for a start, the idea that somebody is out there who wants to do bad things to you and, and hurt you and possibly kill you mm. is terrifying. Yes. And to be yes. able to read stories where you can understand why it's happening and understand mm. what signs to look for and maybe even work out the puzzle to solve it. I think that's kind of comforting in a way oh, yes, and maybe yes. not in an active way that we know that that's what we're doing. But mm. when you read a, a murder story or a, or a crime novel, you know that in the end mm. they're going to get caught or yes. somebody's going to catch up with them or there'll be a solution. Yes. We hope. We hope. Yeah. We hope. Yes, yes. And I think... Although I know that moves away mm. from the written word, but I think that's where true crime stories in terms of television series yeah. or that sort of thing, um, <clears throat> my mother being one of the followers, <laughs> um, is fascinated by those. And I, and I think I think because yeah. you get to find out how they, what it was that gave them away yeah. so that mm. they could get caught. Yeah. Um, and if you were to notice certain suspicious behaviour or something that you would not normally notice, yeah. but suddenly you think, hang on a minute. Well... Um, actually, at the risk of sending us really astray, <laughs> because Jan, we'll Jan's, Jan's story also made me think of this, and I don't know whether it occurred to either, yes. either of you, but very much Cam gave me the, the sort of impression... It could have gone either way. He could have just been yes. a person who just had really strong kinks. Yeah, and yes. he would just confine that to his bedroom and that mm. would be that. Um, yeah. And immediately then it was just like, well, um, another individual that has been on the page very recently in that regard is... Um, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, yes. Christian so, Grey. Christian Grey. Where it's I never just thought like... he'd come up in my book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Emily. I'm so oh, sorry. Yeah. That's, your first, that's your first warning. Um, no, but I mean, you're right in one sense, but also um, that sort of behaviour escalates. Mm. So particularly, mm. let's let's get maybe a little bit of gross territory, but when we're talking about sexual gratification, mm. things that work don't work forever yeah, and you have exactly. to escalate how perverse <laughs> you're being um, and I know this from watching a lot of criminal minds so don't quote me in any, um, in any, uh, <laughs> in any research papers capacity, or any no. professional capacity <laughs> but, but that seems to be yeah. you know Cam 
probably couldn't have kept it contained just to his bedroom, even if he had a willing partner forever. Mm. Yeah, yeah that's Because true. there was probably something not. psychologically not right that made yeah. him Do need that. that kind of behaviour, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, gross and terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let's move on a little bit. Um, <laughs> in Charlie's Girls, which has recently mm. been published in Elle magazine, I saw on, on Laura's Instagram today, <laughs> The voice is that of a group of three girls and the mm. story uses we instead of I. Mm. What sort of effect did that have on your reading of the story? It woke me up, yep. to be honest, because I had been going through going I, 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 and always it was different characters and different voices, but at the same time suddenly having this... I'm using the wrong word, but this this swarm, this group, yeah. we as an entity. Swarm is a good word because it made me think of bees. Exactly, yeah. that's right. You have hive the, mind. Exactly, that's yeah. right. You have this hive mind of we are doing this, yeah. we thought that, we thought the other. Yeah. Um, and it really and yeah. plays into the idea of a cult. It does. Where everyone thinks exactly yeah. the same. Exactly, that's right. Yeah. Um, I found it very eerie. Mm. Very. Um, I, I think also it was because um, it makes when, when you say that it's almost like a clique. Mm. Um, like, well, you can't be part of this unless you do these things, and mm. and it almost um, and it may not be the right term to use, right sort of description, but the word groupthink, where um, they they do tend to use it. I think with um, and don't quote me on this, um, <laughs> but um, but I remember in <laughs> my uni days um, when it comes to subjects of management and things yes. like that, and they talk about the group, like organisational thinking. Yes, organisational mm. thinking, and um, there will be a person who says, "Look, let's do this," and the group decides that they all going to go one way mm. instead of listening to someone else who's saying, "Well, actually, no, I think we should do this instead," and mm. they will decide that, well. And there's the nobody in that situation yeah. in, in the Manson cult. It's, mm. it's, 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 it's all for the good of the group. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's like that old quote of um, individually humans are smart. Yeah. Put them in a group, mm. they're stupid. Mm. So I had not heard that quote before, but I, I think I agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reference to mob mentality, but well, of course it works very and well. And that goes back well. also to when we were talking about Hitler's Germany as well. Mm. Very um, much so. Yes. That as a group... Mm. Germans did quite a lot of bad things. Yeah. Individually, they may have thought this is wrong, but the, the way that everything was set up was you agree and mm. you survive, exactly. you dissent, and you don't know what's going to happen to you. Mm. Um, so we've covered Blanche already. I'm, I'm out of order of my questions. <laughs> um, so with the, the Eva story, mm. to me, that story stood out because that, for me, was a historical story rather than mm. a story about a crime. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it was the only one that really felt that way, even taking into account the one set a little bit earlier. Um, and I wondered, at what point does a story become history rather than a contemporary or you know recent collection? We don't think of a story set in the seventies as being a historical novel, really. No, no, no. no. Oh. Yeah, it's a good question. Mm. One that probably finds um, literature academics will be on for quite some time. Well, I did a whole unit at uni oh, that no. was called Turning Points in History, and the first question was, you know, at what point? <laughs> what, what do we define a turning point as? So, mm. yeah. um, And the idea there being that, you know, it's, you have to, it has to have been enough time passed after the event for us to have seen what sort of effect mm. it had on, you know, ideologies. Um, so you can't say, oh, well, last week that was a turning point. Oh, that, yeah, that was definitely. a pretty big world event. You're not going to know hey, until many years down the track. I chose Fanta rather than a Coke. That was really important. It's a me. turning point in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I think definitely the World War II aspect is what makes that story feel like history to me because World War yeah. II would definitely be a turning point in history, as would World oh, yeah. War One. Mm-hmm. And given that the end of the story is the ending of Hitler's life... Yes. That's a huge turning point. Yeah. The, the leader of Nazi Germany is dead. Mm-hmm. It's a huge turning point. And maybe the reason that the Bonnie and Clyde story didn't feel like history was just that there wasn't enough um, existing knowledge in my mind as the reader mm. to populate that story and make it feel historical. I'd say that being before that time, it probably is a historical story. Mm. Um, but because I knew so much about World War II history already from doing yeah. that 
subject mm. at uni and at school. Mm. It made it feel historical. Yeah. Um, cool. I think also um, the idea that none of the main players are still alive made it feel historical, whereas oh, yeah. later mm. stories, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of death dates in the back and then there's quite a few that don't have death dates. Uh, okay. So only the first three have death dates and then a few more recent death dates in the 2000s. But Carol's still alive, um, Veronica's still alive, Catherine's still alive, Carla and Wanda are still alive. Mm. Um, and some of them probably have had time to, to grow old and die of natural causes mm. rather than being sentenced to death, whereas I think some of them probably got the electric mm. chair or, or the noose or something like that, yeah. depending well, on when it Ma was. Martha definitely got the chair. Martha got the chair. Yeah, that's okay. right, because she mm. was thinking about how fascinating it would be to watch someone that big get electrocuted, which yeah, exactly. was a very morbid thought. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yes, um, I think maybe because it was, like you said, because it was something you learned yeah. as part of your history class, that it was something that everyone So in my brain about. it's always going to be history. Yes, mm. and, and I think maybe historical because it did have worldwide, um, mm. like once everything came out in the open, that they mm. found out about mass graves yeah. and, um, and how the um, Jews were disposed of. And so all these truths yeah. that came out, um, I think had um, repercussions everywhere, all around the world, and the shock waves yeah. that it sent. Well, we didn't know very much about Hitler's last days no, for a very really long time yes. because of all of the seizing of property after mm. the Russians got to Berlin. Um, I, some of the stuff we didn't find out until after the Berlin Wall fell in the 80s, would that be... I'm looking at you because you're a teacher. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> Tell now, me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, so, now, obviously don't so, quote me, but no. yeah, definitely there have been a lot of... Um, I mean, one of the things that was very beneficial when prosecuting the war crimes mm. and all of that was that the Nazis kept very, very good records. Yeah. They kept amazing records. Um but, yeah, a lot of those were kept under lock and key for a very long yeah. time. Um, but, yeah, I think you'd be, you, you would probably be right in saying the Berlin Wall falling would be the, the trigger there. I feel like there but, was something with, yeah, with Hitler's body as well, that the Russians had Hitler's body. That. Yeah. I remember there being something, I don't remember what it was. All I remember is, is that he, he committed suicide in the bunker. I don't remember yeah. what happened after that stage. No, and with his dog. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it upsets me dog. when people kill off dogs in stories. It upsets me more than when people get killed in stories. Mm. Well, I mean, I still remember seeing, and this is definitely going off topic, but mm. um, it was the second Kick-Ass movie. And I didn't see that. Yeah, the, um, the bad guy in that, the, the major villain, um, has recruited these other villains to, mm. to do his dirty work. And one of them says at one stage, because one of the heroes that they've just killed has a dog, mm. and she says to him, do you want me to kill the dog? And he responds, no, I'm not that evil. Mm. No. Um, so you very much get this kind mm. of, yeah, yeah. You, you're truly despicable if you kill a dog. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Although, and I, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but <laughs> if you don't kill the dog... Mm. And then you don't put him into a home or give him to It's just as mean. It's just as mean. Yeah, he's going to look after this dog who's now going to go, well, hello. Can't, can't just like dinner. run out of the bunker and be like, who wants to look after my dog? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That, um, okay. Oh, Oddly enough, the other two that read as historical to me were Marceline. Yeah. Marceline read as historical to me. I don't know whether it was because of the political tangent that was quite obvious in it. Okay. Um, and the fact that, you know, you do have... Um, the the press and some of the other characters who were important people. Mm -hmm. The other one was Veronica because of the fact that it's letters. Okay. So in my mind, and I don't know why this is... Because no but, one writes letters um, anymore. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it, it wasn't um, Kenneth at whichever prison it is dot com. Yeah. You know? It wasn't um, Twitter. It wasn't Twitter, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you get this kind of... I've gone blank. Um, epistolary oh, yeah. storytelling is something that it's to an me... It's older form. Exactly. So to me, it's a very historical yeah. form. I mean, given that, I know that... Um, is it we have to talk about Kevin? We need to talk about we Kevin. We need to talk about Kevin. 
um, was like that. And that didn't... Was that Letters? Yeah. It's been it a long a, time since I've read that. Yeah. The one okay. that springs to mind for me was um, Dangerous Liaisons. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm. yeah. It's an interesting form to use. Mm. It's almost confessional, but at it the is. same time you can't trust what they're saying because it's not a diary. It's intended okay. for a particular audience. Mm. And you definitely get that with Veronica. You do. You sort of wonder how much of her own salesmanship she actually buys into. Mm. Well, and the change from the first letter to the final letter. just Well, and you even see it in how she says it. It's Dear Kenneth for quite some time. Then it Mm. goes, Dear Ken, Kenny. And at the end, is it my darling? Something like that. Yeah, it is. But she gets more and more familiar, so it makes you want to know what he's saying in reply, Mm. if he's saying anything at all, like we said before. Yeah. Um, so what was your favourite story, if you had to pick just one? Favourite. Don't make me do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, isn't it, when they're all so different? Mm. Yes, and I unfortunately only got, I guess, to the halfway mark. Oh, you're um, past halfway. I can see your bookmark. But, um, oh. <laughs> Aha, the proof. The evidence. Um, the evidence does yes, not lie. Yeah, the, uh, the evidence. <laughs> uh, oh, funny, we should be looking at evidence <laughs> as part of our... Um, um, stories, but um, from what I have read, it's hard to choose it, just one. It was probably Martha and Myra that have stuck with me mm-hmm. so far. I mean, is it even possible to have a favourite story when oh, they're yes, all so because they're all so different dark. Um, and and very and very dark? And I yeah. think, well, here here we go. I was going to say now. Martha, I don't know if I would call that story a favourite, but I guess, I guess, it kind of stuck with me. Mm. Mm. Well, that's the thing is that a character doesn't have to be likable to stick with you. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. she's very not likable. Exactly. <laughs> that issue of likability is really interesting, though. It's not something mm. I thought of, but when you write a story, you have yes. to have something likable about your character. To make people read all the way through, but likable means something different in a story to what it would mean if you were choosing who to sit with at lunch. Exactly, that's okay, right. Okay, yes. Well, so, this is maybe where I found Jan likable mm. um, because of, I suppose, the fact that she seemed alone. Yeah. And you, and you could tell that she needed a friend, and and mm. you're reading it, and you feel compassion. Yeah. Mm. You feel compassion for her, and what she's going through and you want to say it's going to be okay you're going to yeah. grow up and get out of this feeling that you're you know you're feeling right now and and, and you can feel her awkwardness. and yet it's not going to be okay no, and it's not, not going for to her be okay. that's right unfortunately no. we know from the the appendix that it is not going to be okay it's not going to be okay and that's the weird thing about the characters being real people mm, yeah what about you leonard what was your favorite uh, I can cut it down to three, but I can't do it. Okay, you can have that. three. I can have three. I'm so lucky. Um, and, and I'm very similar. Martha, because of the fact that she's so utterly despicable. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought Jan was very much, puppy, come here, puppy, I need to. <laughs> oh, yes. Very much. Um, and Veronica. Because okay. Veronica, for those of you who haven't read Veronica, she's nuts. She's yeah. so nuts. But in like a delicious way, like she's... Yeah, in in a it's kind a of train a wreck villain. kind of yeah, yeah. yeah she is she's a villain she is she's a very good yeah. villain. Actually. I mean, she she goes so far as trying to create her own murder. Yeah. To to release her beloved from jail because he couldn't possibly have done it because here's another death. Yeah, that's right. And that's kind of sick because you don't think he asked her to do that. Yeah, exactly. She's done it of her that's own right. volition. Mm. Um, my favorite was. Um, Blanche I think just because it was such an explosive opening to the book and it Mm. was the one that I read and I went I'm going to read this collection many many times and it's going to become a permanent part of my collection Mm. Um, it just really introduced me to what a delight this book was going to be it Mm. sealed it for you exactly because I looked at the cover and I went I'm going to love this book Um, Mm. you know because you can judge a book by its cover people spend a lot of time designing covers and if you haven't seen the cover of The Love of a Bad Man do yourself a favour and Google it because it's stunning yeah it's a very pretty book it's great Um, who was left out of this collection? 
I mean, we've already mentioned Eric Edgar Cook, um, yeah. the Claremont serial killer. Yeah, would have been a fascinating yeah. one. I mean, let's go very Perth-centric there. Although, you know, <laughs> yeah. don't write a story about the serial killer because I've written a story about the Claremont serial killer and it's <laughs> so not been published yet. So don't do that, Laura, um, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> However, we will definitely accept the love of a bad man too. If yeah, you are the I know. Second, like, well, I think she's working on a, a full-length novel yeah. Possibly about the Manson cult, possibly about Jim Jones cult. I'd have to look oh. it up, but she mentioned it at the Writers' Festival when she was here. Oh. Um, so there will be okay. more of this sort more of thing, of, yes. something to look forward to. Um, and on the topic of the Claremont serial killer, um, Fremantle Press has Dave Warner's new book coming out in November, um, which is about the Claremont serial killings, and the name of it escapes me at the moment, but it's coming out in November. November. Dave Warner, Dave Warner uh, November. and he will be doing events around Perth, so keep your eyes peeled for that one if you're interested mm. in this genre. Yeah. Um, who else was missing? Uh, well, the thing is, is that if you go back as far as Bonnie and Clyde and you go back as mm. far as Hitler, you could really populate this with any number. You could. Um, I'm thinking like the, the Zodiac Killer. I don't think anyone ever caught the Zodiac Killer, though, so it's very hard to yeah. write about a woman in his life when you don't know who he is. Yeah, that's very true. Um, who else could we have had in there? Um, the, the very charismatic guy that used to get people to get in his car. What was his name? The good-looking guy. Um, yeah, I think I know the one. The you American mean, but, one. Uh, um, the name escapes me. Ted too. Bundy. Yeah. I yeah. Think so. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, he was okay, yeah. the character, so mm-hmm. that would be interesting. Hmm. I'm sure there there are lots of um, people's uh, pet serial killer obsessions that were, oh, that were left out of this one. So there would be a lot of material for another I think one. There would be. I think yeah. there would be. Um, You'd think there would be because there were so many. That, mm. And I don't know, can you still have baby brain four years later? Because I think that's what yeah. I've got. <laughs> um, so, because I can't. That's I'm just called being, being a, a busy woman <laughs> and having lots on your mind. Although, mind you, I will drive home tonight and I will probably go, oh, don't. That's what I should have said. Yeah. <laughs> so, one and that one and you guys one have and done, that. you guys have done incredible <laughs> considering that this is, you know, only the second book club I'm, I'm Really, really okay. impressed by the, the ground that we've covered. Yeah. So um, I think well. now is a now we're all patting ourselves on the back is a really good time to end the recording. So thank you very much, Leonard and Veronica, for being my guests today. Thank you, thank um, you for having us. So next month's short story book club is September the nineteenth, um, and we're doing Pulse Points by Jennifer Down. Jennifer was mm-hmm. the winner of the Liz Jolly ABR. Short story oh, award a couple of years back. Oh, Leonard already has the book, yes. so I'm very impressed. Yes, I've got um, mine on my table at home. She, so. she won that prize for her story, Aokigahara, which is about the suicide forest in Japan, and it's the only short story I can think of, to my knowledge, that has made me cry uncontrollably. So have your tissues on hand. Okay. Um, and yes. I hope that we'll have a nice big group for that one and we can all cry and comfort each other together. Sounds good. Um, Lots so of Kleenex. thanks very much. Lots of Kleenex. <laughs>